Please open a Bible with me to Exodus chapter 12. We conclude this new year, this winter series here this morning as we see God bring to completion what he had promised. Because the Exodus is the story of the rescue of God's people from their slavery in Egypt. We see in the book of Exodus God's good and sovereign power, even in the most difficult of times, even in the worst of circumstances. He is the king, the Lord of all, which means he demands to be Lord of our lives as well. The book of Exodus is the, the gospel, the good news of the Old Testament. The God comes to rescue his people. The God provides atoning sacrifice for our sins. The God hears our prayers and responds. God had gone through the night to bring the last of the plagues upon Egypt, death to the firstborn sons. And yet he had passed over those who by faith had responded and who had brought the sacrifice. And so let's continue reading in Exodus 12 from last week. I'm going to begin in Exodus 12, verse 31. Exodus 12, 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs, wrapped in, clo in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians." The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough they had brought from Egypt, they baked cakes of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the regulations for the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. Any slave you have brought may eat of it after you have circumcised him, but a temporary resident and a hired worker may not eat of it. It must be eaten inside one house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the, of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. An alien living among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat of it. The same law applies to the native-born and to the alien living among you. All the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we rejoice in the rescue that you provide. 
For in our own strength, we would be left trapped by our sin, enslaved to our own desires. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are the God who saves. You are the God of the Exodus, the God who remembers your promises, the God who shows forth your power. You are the God who provides for your people. And so, Lord, give us faith to trust in you. Even as we live in a world that feels out of control, let us see your good and sovereign power. Lord, let us in the, the midst of uncertainty and sadness and sorrow find our hope, a living hope in you. Lord, for those who, who don't yet trust in your word, I pray that having seen your gospel on display in the sacrament before us this morning and now hearing your gospel read in your word and proclaimed, that you would grant faith to those who listen today to stop trusting in themselves and to find their hope in your salvation. Through Jesus, who is our Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time that Moses had appeared before Pharaoh, the tyrannical king had threatened his life. Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. That was the threat back in chapter 10 from Pharaoh to Moses. Get out. I don't ever want to see you again. If I see you again, I will kill you. But now... After a night of judgment, Pharaoh has been defeated. And so he summons Moses and Aaron, not to bring about their death, but to send them out of Egypt. This great king then begs these slaves for a blessing. The exodus from Egypt proves to us God's complete victory. Yahweh, or Pharaoh, has, has been fighting against Yahweh, the, the God of Israel. He's been fighting all through, through the book, attempting to negotiate. Well, why don't you just the, the men go? Why don't you just go for a couple days? Okay, you can take the, the women and children with you, but, but leave the flocks behind. There's no negotiating here. He, he's, he says, up, leave, go. I mean, the commands that he throws at them are, it's a complete capitulation. Everything you wanted, I'm giving to you. Everything that Yahweh demanded. I, had, I have repeatedly said, I will not do what Yahweh wants. But now, Pharaoh will do everything Yahweh wants. Pharaoh is impotent in the face of Yahweh's power. This is a total and complete surrender. Yahweh has gained total victory. Pharaoh who had resisted, now gives everything that God had demanded. And, and, and did you notice that not only does, does he send them away, having summoned them in the night, uh, a, a night of sorrow and mourning, because look at what we read in, in verse 30 last week, that Pharaoh and, and all his officials and all of Egypt got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house Without someone dead, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This is the worst night of Pharaoh's life. But he had been warned again and again, if you don't let my people go, I will free them. 
I will bring about the judgment that you fear. The son who is the next king of Egypt will die. You will be helpless in the face of my victory. Nothing you do, it doesn't matter how many guards you put outside your house, you cannot stop Yahweh's power. And so now Pharaoh just says, go, leave, get out, take everything. But, but, but look at verse 32. As, as Pharaoh speaks to Moses and Aaron, look, look at what he asks for. And also bless me. No, I don't think this is a, a repentance as if he had been, had been doing his own thing and then uh, finally he, he's going to do what God wants. I, I think what he's really asking, that, that language of blessing, is, is remove the curse. Clearly this whole land is cursed. Something has gone terribly wrong. And, and maybe letting you go doesn't take the curse with it. And so, so remove the curse. Bless us. Like, let's be done. This is, this is Pharaoh putting his hands up and saying, I have nothing left. I need you one who, who, in Pharaoh's view, just a couple hours before, was an enslaved, helpless man. That's how he viewed Moses and Aaron. He told them back in chapter 5, so get back to work. You're mine. Do what I tell you. And now he's begging for a blessing. Well, when, when Israel had first come into Egypt, back in the book of, of Genesis, Jacob, the patriarch, whose name is also Israel, when he met with Pharaoh, because Joseph, his son, was already there in Egypt, when he met with Pharaoh, we're told that in, that in Genesis 47, Pharaoh gave a, a promise to Joseph that, that your family, they can go, they can settle, they can be part of the land, let them be, be shepherds there in the land of Goshen. And then we read that, that Joseph brought his father Jacob in to the court of Pharaoh, in, in Genesis 47, we read that Jacob blessed Pharaoh. God, when, when Israel had been brought down to Egypt, it was because of God's rescue, that he was saving them from famine through the ministry of Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob. And when, he, when, when Joseph brings his aged father in to see Pharaoh, Jacob brings a blessing of God upon Egypt. And yet in the subsequent centuries where these pharaohs had turned their back on the people of Israel, had enslaved them, had harmed them, we now have a pharaoh begging for the blessing that should have been his all along. And not only does pharaoh throw up his hands and say, fine, you win, you see all of Egypt do the same that they give gold and silver and clothing to the people of Israel, which is what God had said would happen. Go and ask them because they're going to give it to you. They, they, they are so desperate in verse 33, they say, you got to go now. Like, don't wait another day. Like, leave today. Right now, get out and take all of this with you. Because God is already providing for his people so that as they, they travel through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, that they'll be able to to barter and trade with caravanners or, or traders. They, they can reach, as they reach settlements, they'll have provisions in order to make it to the promised land. But, but notice the way that, that Moses describes what happens here. Look at verse 36. When they ask for silver and gold and clothing, verse 36 we read, the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for, 
So they plundered the Egyptians. I mean, that's the language of battle, of victory. Like a victorious army, Israel will take with them the plunders of war. They will take with them the gold and silver of Egypt. Now, now we, we might not in, in modern times think in those kinds of terms that you, you take spoils from war. Well, well, maybe we do a little bit. Back at the end of World War II, there was a, a, a newspaper article that, that interviewed Major Walter Palmer, and his job was to inspect all of the mail being shipped back by U.S. military personnel. And he gave an interview in, in 1945 where he says, well, it seems one soldier was shipping himself home a Jeep, an entire Jeep, part by part. The problem is some of those parts are big enough that they got noticed as, well, that's a little suspicious. Another, another was trying to send home an entire dental office piece by piece through the mail. But, but in, in modern warfare, that would be a, a crime, but in the ancient world, that's what you would expect. That's actually the, the cost of, of fighting against a greater army. Pharaoh would have known this all along. Much of Egypt's gold would have come from territories they had conquered. And now the, the Israelites, who, how many battles have they won so far themselves? None. How long is it going to be until they win a battle? I mean, they're, they're, they haven't done anything yet, but their God has. I mean, this is Yahweh's victory. Yahweh is plundering Egypt. And not only do we see the, the complete victory, but we see God's continued provision. The people are in such a rush that they're, they're going to leave with, with, with dough, but the yeast hasn't been added to the dough. And so they're going to end up, when they bake this dough, it's going to be, you know, like a, like a, a hard biscuit that, that's going to, well, it'll last. It'll take them through their, their journey. But but really, they, they didn't even have time to, to gather supplies. The, the exodus here, even though God had told them it was coming, it, it even catches them off guard. That they have to leave with, without provisions so that they will, become, they, will, they will be forced to continue to rely upon God. That God will be the one who will provide for them food and water in the wilderness that daily they will be dependent upon him. It's a reminder to them of God's ongoing care, that he's the one who has rescued them. He is the one who will care for them. And so they're in their rush, they, they take with them this unleavened dough. But you also, we, we read that there are these instructions given for, for celebrating the Passover. Because the Passover happened once in history, that night, that very day, because their day starts at sunset and continues through the night and continues to the next sunset. So on the, the very day that they leave Egypt, that's the very day that God had rescued them by the Passover. The Passover named because God passed over the houses that had been, been smeared with the blood of the sacrificial lamb. God providing an atoning sacrifice. And so annually, on this same day, they were to celebrate this Passover meal. And so even as they're leaving, God is reminding them, look what I've done. I have rescued you. I have saved you. And so he gives a reminder of the regulations for the Passover. And initially, we might think, well, well this seems, seems pretty narrow, pretty exclusive. 
I mean, look at verse 43. No foreigner is to eat of it. A temporary resident, a hired worker, may not eat of it. We, we think, well, look, God is excluding some people from celebrating the Passover. And, and, and maybe that's, I mean, this, this is the way that, that religion is always presented, that Christianity is presented, that it's not for everyone, that, it's, that not everyone is included in every celebration, but there's an exclusivity here. But of, but of course, that only makes sense. I mean, just at the basic level. A, a tourist might be interested in, in sort of witnessing what a Passover looks like, but the only one who can experience the meal really is the one who comes by faith. And God has given them a sign, a symbol, for what it looks like to be someone who comes by faith. It's the sign of circumcision, the sign which has been replaced for us as the New Testament church with the waters of baptism. But of, but of course, well, that makes perfect sense. You could observe what somebody else does, but if you don't believe it, then even going through the motions or the ritual wouldn't be the same thing. You're not really participating. But, but even the exclusivity here, notice, is, is not an ethnic exclusivity. It's not because of their race that they are physical, biological descendants of Abraham. No, because, well, we're given multiple clues that anyone who actually believes can be invited to celebrate. We're told that the very people that are leaving, look back at verse 38, the, the very people that are leaving are not just the enslaved Israelites. Verse 38 tells us many other people went up with them. Now, there could have been slaves of different ethnicities deciding, well, now's my chance, but, it, but it's the, the multitude who sees, I'm going wherever Yahweh leads us. Yahweh is the God who just gained victory over our oppressor. I will put my trust in him. And, and anyone who puts their trust in God, who responds in faith by receiving circumcision, can then be invited to celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's what we, what we read in verse 48. An alien living among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover? Meaning this is not just for the ethnic people of Israel, but it's for anyone who believes in the God of Israel, the God of the universe. Well, as long as he and his sons are circumcised, then he is invited to celebrate. The grace on display in the sacrament, the grace on display in Passover is made available to all. And, and the Passover is, of course, a clear picture for us of the work of God's grace. We see in, in the book of, in the New Testament book, 1 Corinthians, that the Apostle Paul describes Christ as our Passover lamb. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Just as Israel needed an atoning sacrifice to, to rescue them from the wrath of God, they offered a lamb. So we have had offered for us Jesus, our Passover lamb. And so all who put their trust in Jesus are welcomed into the kingdom of God. All who, who, who put, say, I believe in Jesus are invited to come receive the, the picture of God's saving work in baptism. And th there's another detail here in, in Exodus 12 that the commentators really aren't sure why it's here, uh, but, but the New Testament makes clear what it points us to. Look, look back at Exodus 12. 
that the, the restriction that the Passover must be eaten in one house, not taken outside. It's a family meal. You gather your extended family into their home, which, which is part of the reason that then when Israel disobeys in the wilderness, they're going to wait not just a year, but they're going to wait longer to celebrate the Passover. But, but there's a detail there in verse 46 that, that leaves commentators wondering. It says, do not break any of the bones. So don't break any of the bones of the lamb that is brought. Now, maybe it's just a, a reminder that they are to bring a perfect sacrifice, a reminder that they are to treat even the sacrifice with dignity and respect. But, but commentators are just guessing because Moses doesn't explain it here. But the New Testament makes clear what it points us forward to, to the work of Jesus, the Savior, on the cross. Crucifixion was a horrific way to die. It, it was designed by Rome to be so violent that, well, no matter what you did, if you were a Roman citizen, they couldn't crucify you. I mean, you could, you could go through and slaughter people, but, but they would say, well, we'll put him to death, but we'll do it humanely. Because crucifixion is not humane, not designed to be humane. It was designed to be horrific. Nailed to a, a, a cross, the, the one crucified was, was meant to eventually suffocate to death as exhaustion took over, as blood filled the lungs so that, that he couldn't push himself up to take a breath. And so it was regular and expected practice of Roman soldiers who wanted to get their day's work done to go and break the legs of one who had been crucified. Because if his legs are broken, well, then he, he won't be able to push up for breath. Death will come a little quicker. I can log off, and I can get on with my day. But if Jesus is our Passover lamb, and the Passover lamb is not to have his bones broken, well, well then crucifixion won't, it won't work. Except that God preserves his promise even from Exodus. Well, a, a promise that in Exodus we didn't even realize, why is it there? Well, it's there to point us forward to the ministry and work of Jesus our Savior. In the, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 19, when Jesus g gives himself for us on the cross, he cries out, it is finished. The work is done. The Passover sacrifice has been accepted by God. We're told that because it was the day of preparation, it was a Sabbath coming, the, the Jews didn't want these bodies left on the cross. And so the Romans were coming to break the legs of the men on the crosses so that they can get the bodies down quicker. But we're told the soldiers came and, and broke the, the legs of, of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other man. But John 19, tells us, but when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another Scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Now, if you... If you follow the footnotes in your Bible, what scripture is being fulfilled, it's a psalm, but it's also pointing us back to Exodus 12. That the Passover lamb would not have his bones broken. 
And so even after his death, God providentially preserves the body of Jesus, the bones of the Savior. Jesus is the one who gave his life for us. And so now the, the, the gospel is extended to all people, to all nations. It's not limited only to those who were born descendants of Abraham. But like at the time of the Exodus, the, the people of the world were meant to see what Yahweh had done and believe. That in believing, respond by, by coming to receive the sacrament that God had given for us, the sacrament of baptism, a picture that we belong to God, that he is the one who has offered salvation to us. Because God's salvation is for everyone, for all nations. Even Pharaoh was offered the gift. Even Pharaoh was, was given the pictures, the sign, the explanation, and yet rejected the grace that was there before him. God has complete victory. He continues to provide for his people, and, and he maintains constant watch over them. Look, look back at verse 40. We're told that Israel has been in Egypt for more than 400 years, and that God is leading them out by division, by, by army units to leave the land of Israel to go to the land of promise. And then look at verse 42, the explanation of what God has done. Exodus 12, verse 42, we read, because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. On the night of the Passover, the people of Israel will stay awake because they will be reminded that God himself kept watch over them at night. The God is the one who brought them out of Egypt. That, that promise is repeated for us at the end of the chapter, verse 51. On that very day, Yahweh brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. See, the Israelites did not need to fear on the night of judgment because God had provided a substitutionary sacrifice for them, a lamb who died in their place. Yahweh is keeping watch, even if Pharaoh tries to respond by getting back and saying, well, God, you just sent your, your wrath through the houses of, of my people. I will send my wrath through your houses. And you don't think I'll do it? I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the kind of king who's willing to enslave entire people groups. Millions of people are my slaves. I, my, my dad slaughtered babies by tossing them into the Nile River. You don't think I will come back after you? You punch me in the face, I'm coming right back at you, except that the Yahweh, has, or Yahweh has knocked Pharaoh down. And Yahweh keeps vigil the entire night. He is the one who will stand guard and watch over Israel. He is the one who has all of the power to gain victory. They need not fear retribution from Egypt. What do they get from Egypt? They get the plunder of Egypt, the gold, the wealth of Egypt, not the sword of Egypt coming back through their homes. Now, it only helps to have somebody stand watch for you at night if he's big enough and strong enough to actually do something about the trouble that could come. Pharaoh's army... Pharaoh's soldiers, this is the greatest fighting force in the ancient world. 
but Yahweh is keeping watch. But, but again, just having someone who's strong enough and powerful enough, well, that, well, that wouldn't be enough. You'd also have to know that, that he's good, that he wouldn't be tempted by the gold and silver of Egypt to switch allegiances. Yahweh is the one who remembers his promise. Yahweh is the God who heard their cries for help. Yahweh himself stands keeping watch over Israel through the night. He is the God who rescues his people. He's gained complete victory. And you and I see that victory brought to its fullness in the ministry of Jesus, our Savior. Victory over our sin as Jesus, in his righteous obedience, took our sins upon himself and paid the full debt. Victory over death itself because Jesus is not dead but has been raised from the dead. Jesus keeps watch over you now. He will not slumber. He will not sleep. Your victory is guaranteed Death will not have the final word. And so rest in the power of Yahweh. Trust in the promise of Yahweh. Receive the grace of God given to us through Jesus, our Savior. Alexander the Great was asked how he could sleep at night when there were enemies on the prowl, there was money out for his own death, assassins willing to, to betray him. And he answered, well, I can sleep well at night because my trusted guard, Parmenio, is keeping watch. He won't betray me. He will protect me. Now, I don't know Parmenio, but I'm thinking a big enough force would defeat him. There is no power that can defeat Yahweh. Yahweh keeps vigil for his people. Yahweh keeps watch over you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your promises that our victory is, is not a result of our own strength but comes through the work of Jesus, our Savior. Lord, we rejoice in the privilege we've had today to, to see your grace on display in the life of little Theo that as a child brought into this covenant community, he receives your promises. We see in his baptism a reminder of Jesus' love for us that our sins have been washed away, that we have been made new through the work of Jesus. And so, Lord, let us throw ourselves upon you to rest in hope upon Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Passover lamb, our atoning sacrifice, the one who rescues us from death, the one who now keeps watch over us. Father in heaven, we put our trust in you. 
relying upon the grace poured out on us through Jesus, our Savior. So we pray in his name, amen.